Let's welcome Honourable uh, Deputy Minister of Home Affairs, uh, Jabulo Nzuza, who's talking to us about the Home Affairs um, new step. It's a step that is quite refreshing. They are digitizing Home Affairs. There are 350 million in active and active uh, documents and records that are going to uh, be digitized from your birth certificates, marriage certificates, death certificates and the likes. And uh, this is what we are going to be discussing. Um, Honourable Minister, Deputy Minister Njabulo Nzuza will be delivering the keynote address this morning in the country's uh, path towards digitization as part of the broader uh, modernization program. Thank you very much for joining us, Honourable. Thank you, Patricia, and uh, greetings to all the listeners at home. So I am quite excited when I think of what 4IR can do for Mm. us as a country when it comes to home affairs. I, as a citizen of South Africa, knowing the the, the lengthy process of taking a form as you enter into the, you know, the gates and then security asking you, are you going to this side, that side? No, you go... I know the process. It is a long and lengthy process. Will this digitization, I know there's a broader spectrum of it, but will the digitization make it a bit more seamless for us as South Africans to enter home affairs and get our documentation? Well, that's exactly what we seek to do. Uh, Firstly, you will notice that if you are looking for records, uh, your parents, uh, marriage certificates of your parents, if you want to change your name, it takes longer. You want to change your surname, it takes longer. All because most of the records are on paper and when we have to verify certain things, we have to go back at the back end and then start going through the paper so that we can verify information. But with this project, specifically the decision project, we are just going to get information at the click of a mouse whilst we are standing there download all the information we need and then effect the changes we have to. So it's quite a way of improving the service delivery that we offer and also the turnaround times of making sure that uh, our clients who are citizens get helped quite quicker. It's going to be a seamless one, so it uh, appears, and I'm very excited about it. But let's start here. When it comes to the records that are already um, at home affairs. I mean, you say there's about 350 million mm. uh, in active and active records that are going to be digitized. I think this is your first phase. How is this going to be done? It seems like a lengthy task, a mammoth task to embark <laughs> on. Yeah, we are actually uh, recruiting about 10,000 young people who are going to be assisting us in the digitization project. They are organized uh, in various ways. Others are going to be data capturers. Others are going to be scanners. Others arranging the filing and so on and so on. All these 10,000 young people are going to be central. But also, we are also uh, securing technology that will help us digitize, which means making sure that the records are stored properly, they are scanned properly in terms of this information system storage. It is done similarly. So all of those will then help us digitize this 340 million records. And uh, you must remember that these records, they spent back from the 1800s. What you must know is that we have actually traveled quite a, a long way in, since now we, where we are now. You had the country previously divided into Bantu stands and so on and so on. So when Homer first started, we had to go out and correlate all that information into one country and build what we call a, a population register, which included everyone where all records are kept. Then after that, we then had to move and modernize. Now we are at a stage where we are digitizing so that those records can be kept safely. Because remember... If you don't have proper country records and a proper population register, the country won't work. Very true.
the country won't work. Very true. Um, so so I'm, I'm hearing job opportunity for these 10,000 young people throughout the country. Um, I'm, I'm seeing skills being transferred. But the one thing I want to find out from you is um, on the technology level, are there skills transferred? Um, because it's a new technology that you're obviously bringing in. Or are we going to be reliant on some international uh, software company that has come in and now if the machine is broken to scan these things, <laughs> we no longer are able to move forward? Yeah, the, the main issue is that we are bringing in technology. Most of the young people that we're taking in, they are fresh from university so that they can be able to accumulate skills and experience. Some of them that we know that we are going to use them in the long run within the department uh, because we continue to have opportunities. Obviously, we are building towards running away from a brick and mortar kind of setup. So we need these young people. If I were going to, if I'm just give you a, a breakdown on what they are going to be doing, like practically the 10,000 young people, you are looking at about 300 who are going to be team leaders, which means they will be responsible for teams. So those are people who are being groomed in a sense of leadership, who are going to be having drivers, about 40 of them, who are going to be having reassemblers, about 2,000 of them, and then indexers, about uh, 4,000 of them, quality assurance, technical support, and so on. So it's quite on a number of various fields. We have already uh, sent out the adverts and finalized the recruitment of the first cohort, which is 2,000. We anticipate that by December, we'll be getting the other cohort, will be about 4,000, and then the last 4,000 by early next year. So those are all the kind of people who are going to be coming in. Yes, we have advertised to look for a service provider that's going to provide the technology that goes with it. So we are looking at getting local companies. Obviously, for the bigger projects, we also have a problem of locally sourced technology. Part of the discussion we're going to be having at UJ is how do we build capacity? Because Home Affairs is a security department now. If we rely too much on foreign technology, it's going to be a problem. It's going to compromise us. Yes, yes. it's going to be a serious problem for, for our country's security. So that is why we need to build up from the bottom where people go to school, they understand that there is a immigration-related technology, there is a data-related technology that we need, and also biometric uh, technology. One of the projects, if I were to go to town with it, that we are currently doing, which is now at a, we are completing phase one soon, is the APIS project, what we call Automated Biometric Information System. Previously, we'll remember, when you go to Home Affairs, you must use your hand, Oh, the ink. Place it there, oh, yeah. The ink. Place yeah. it there, yeah. and then we can be able to check your fingerprints mm. on the system and get you there. So now we are improving. We are having now a automated biometric is also going to bring in facial recognition, which means you will stand in front of a camera and then we'll be able to pull out your file. We'll use a iris, which means we'll use your eyes to be able to verify you. All of this is leading us towards running away from brick and mortar. Because once you can use facial recognition, it means you can use an app for you to be able to reapply for services and so on. Yeah. And and I'm 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 very I'm I'm very intrigued by the the sort of technology that you are incorporating at Home mm. Affairs because it's technology that is new age. It's four IR, even five IR to a certain degree, uh, because it's it's not readily available in our country. But let, let's. Uh, dig deeper into your service providers, will they then be transferring their skills, especially those who are not South African, right, uh, bringing in the iris technology, the biometric uh, facial recognition, will they transfer those skills 
on the development and maintenance of this particular software because we don't want like you were saying earlier we don't want to end up in a situation where we've got the technology mm. but we're still reliant on an external factor or external company who's not South African not invested here to come and then sabotage us Yes, you, you will get that quite a lot in some instances where companies will protect the source codes that are used to develop the software, which means then they literally own the software. They can say, yeah, here, we are selling you this technology, you can buy it. But then they say, no, but the source code on how this technology belongs to us, is, yeah. is belonging to us. So that is why we have always in the contracts that we have made sure that we have something that has to do with skills transfer and also setting up quotas that whoever you are bringing into work on this project. This number must be South Africans. Always make sure that we have South African companies that we are working with so that there is that transfer of skills so that in the future we cannot continue to depend on foreign-owned uh, companies to be the ones that run our you know, uh, main databases. But currently some of the companies that are running with us are South African companies and they've been doing uh, so well. But now we need to make sure that from university we start to build uh, IT engineers who are practical, able to do the job, and who will just fit right in when it comes to them doing their job. Atima, hey, imagine yourself a South Africa that has a home affairs that is seamless, that is paperless. So good for the environment, right? Uh, but not only that, it's quicker for you. You don't have to wait in long queues. You can do things uh, probably from your a mobile app, from home, from your office, and still get those applications done. Well, if you're still imagining, no one thing, they are working on it at Home Affairs and it could possibly be our reality in the near future. Please join in on the conversation. We've got uh, Honorable uh, Deputy Minister of Home Affairs, Njabulon Zuza, in the studio. And it, it's quite a, an interesting conversation we're having. So join in, ask your questions around Home Affairs and the seamless process on 0614104107. That is our WhatsApp number. Or you can call in on 086-000-2032. SMSs can be sent to 41391. Now, Honourable uh, Deputy Minister, in, in terms of uh, then the turnaround time to get yeah. 350 million documents ready on, on your system, <laughs> what is the turnaround time that you can expect and anticipate? But also, what does that then mean for new applications? Mm. Yeah, let me just start by saying that uh, we did not just start now uh, the process of digitizing. We've been doing it at the back end, but obviously with our full staff, time uh, staff, we realized it's going to take us many, many years. And then we went to the president and said, look, we need some funding for us to take this project and finish it off once and for all. We anticipate a period of three years to finish this particular project, which means we'll be keeping the 10,000 young people for a period of about three years, uh, and that is, that is when we anticipate to be complete. It's not going to have an effect, because remember, some of the people who've been coming in ever since we had live capture and the new technology, we were already capturing them digitally. But the problem has been the backlog of the files that were with us before this technology was there. So now we have to incorporate them into the uh, new technology. What we've also done is to place a dedicated team on back end. We say to the Deputy Director General Civic Services, uh, look, DDG, go and stay at the back end 
and deal with the issue of the backlogs that are there so that our front line can run more efficiently if our back end is uh, cleared. One of the things that we, we are already there, we are already there, we, we, we are already uh, implementing and piloting some of the initiatives that will make your work seamless. If you are a client right now, you want to go to home affairs, we've got what we call a, a branch appointment booking system. Where you go online, you apply, you say you want to go to Home Affairs, we give you a date, we give you the time. And we guarantee you that when you get there, you are not going to be stuck in any queue. You are just going to go straight and we are going to assist you. And we have received quite good feedback on that. So whilst we are implementing the longer term strategies, we are doing immediate interventions at our disposal with the technology that we have in order to improve the service that we offer to our clients. So what is needed now is the fact that people need to know this process of booking for home affairs so at least we can start benefiting from your digitization. I can't lie. Randberg right up here, up the road. Randberg home affairs. I still see a queue every morning. Mm. I still see a queue. Does that mean then people don't know that they need to book in advance? Exactly. And uh, that is why we partner with the media and we are happy to have such platforms like this one so that we can share with our people that, look, you can actually now go and apply and book and then don't have to stand in queues. But at the end of it all, what are we trying to do here? The issue of queues that are there, there is a result of our network architecture and how it is dependent on physical connections rather than using cloud technology and using LTE and other measures which do not need physical uh, connections to our offices. So what we are trying to do is that we've introduced mobile units, for instance, as a way of making sure that we reduce the number of people that go to our offices. We've been using them mainly for school children who are turning 16 so that they can apply for their identity documents in school. We go to them. So that is supposed to take down the, the queues. But that's all immediate. But what about the long term? In the long term, we're investing in technology that will result in you only visiting a home affairs office probably only once in your life. When you are in a hospital, we register your birth because APIS is also taking in footprint, which means a child will be able to have a biometric from the time that they are born, which means in the future, you might not need to visit home affairs, how home affairs as frequently as you used to as a result of reducing the queues that you will see in our offices. Okay, after, after the news headlines, I'm coming back to this birth registration because it seems like a very interesting one. It has been quite cumbersome, especially when we had uh, the, the start of the unabridged birth certificates. It, it was really cumbersome. Trust me, during that time, I gave birth. So corner. So if you're saying it's going to be more seamless, I think more babies are coming to South Africa. It's 9.30 right now. Remember to keep calling. Uh, we are going to take your calls, your voice notes, 86 Our guest is on Deputy Minister of Home Affairs. We're talking digitization of home affairs. Let's go to Anne Musa with the news headlines. Anne, good morning. It's uh, 34 minutes after nine and we still continue with our thinking point, also giving you the opportunity to weigh in uh, by calling on 086-000-2032 or sending a WhatsApp on 0614-104-107. SMSs go to 41391. SAFM 104-107 nationwide and on DSTV channel. 
Channel, Audio Bouquet 814. Our guest is the Honourable Deputy Minister of Home Affairs, Njabulo Nzuza. Before we went to the news, uh, Honourable Deputy Minister, I was asking you to elaborate a bit more on birth registrations. Um, like I said, I've, I've, I've had... An experience that I'll never forget eight years ago, right? So this unabridged birth certificate was coming out. And for me, it was seamless because uh, Tata Wengani was there. But for mothers who had no Tata Wengani, it was a confusion. And the birth certificate comes with a question mark or empty things. or You know, it, it, how is it going to be now? And do we have to take little babies who are three days old to home affairs? No, you don't have to take the child to home affairs. As a parent, you can register the child alone. Uh, whether you are the mother or you are the father, you can go to a home affairs and register a child. What we have done over years, uh, birth registration is the first entry of a person into our national population register. Sometimes, you know, it, it gives us a lot of pain when you meet uh, in one in or someone says, no, I've got umtwana. On a food, it's a child, it's a child on a food who does not have documents because the parents did not register the birth when the person was still a child. So it means the problem escalates over time. Whereas now we have opened home affairs offices in quite a number of both public and private hospitals. Where we do not have presence, we come and collect applications and then we come back again to issue out birth certificates. We are encouraging parents to register the birth of their children within a period of 30 days so that you secure a future and identity for your child at a very early age. You were talking about uh, the footprint as well. So when does that happen? Mm. Um, while the child is still in hospital? That we will now do immediately. We finish with our APIS project. We'll immediately be able to do that whilst the child is still in hospital. So that when the child comes out, they already have a birth certificate. And now we are stopping this thing of issuing birth certificates and then later an abridged birth certificate. will give you an abridged birth certificate once and for all. We just encourage fathers. Fathers... They disappear. I always say this thing that I only know of Jesus where there was a Holy Spirit that came in (laughs) and subsequently (laughs) we know what happened directly around Jesus. But for every other child, there is a father somewhere. (laughs) There is a father somewhere. So the fathers must pitch up. Every time I go out to issue birth certificates, I do that quite a lot because it's part of our delegations. You find out that there is no father there in the slot of a father. So we encourage fathers to come out and be there. Because when a child then later says, no, I want to change my surname to my father's surname, we then start asking, the birth certificate is not linked with the father, where must we get records of the father, and so on and so on. Do it first time around so that the child does not have a problem But in the not future. only that, so other fathers are present, right? Mm. And uh, we acknowledge that, so they will put their you know, details on the Anna Bridge, so it will be mother and father. Then Utada disappears, and the child might need to travel for whatever reason outside of the country. Mm. Then that also creates a problem. So how mm. do parents um, who have such a, a challenge overcome it? Well, we firstly make sure that you have an unabridged birth certificate. As soon as the, you are unable to get hold of the of the parent, alert the authorities that look the father is no longer there. Have the documents from social welfare to indicate that the father is no longer in the picture, so that whenever a child needs to travel, they can travel easy. Because we have a responsibility 
to balance both security sure. and the ease of, of travel. Sure. So you get quite a number of people who end up trafficking uh, children. You know, some of them, they say, no, this is my child. You find that there was a court order that was issued that uh, they must now co-parent and then the other is running away with the child. It becomes a bit of a difficult. And it's not really our terrain to go into social structures. Mm. Ours mm. is to formalize the social structures that are already there. Let's talk about your partnerships with banks and other institutions to make it even more seamless for South Africans and citizens of South Africa and residents of South Africa to access home affairs services? You know, our partnership with the banks is twofold. Currently, they have given us uh, IT specialists who are helping us in the process of us improving our technology. And we really appreciate that because the kind of service that we offer is almost similar to what the banks offer. We store data, we make sure that they are transactions. So that's one part of it. The other one is that we have been opening offices in a number of banking institutions. It's a mutual beneficial kind of a situation because the banks, when they have to deal with identity, we are there and as such, our clients who are our citizens are able to collect their documents efficiently. So as such, expanding our network. Part of us expanding our network is what we call now purpose-built offices. Because previously we were just taking in buildings and they are not purpose-built for home affairs. People will be standing outside waiting and they have to wait in an unshaded area. There is a lot of sign, there is rain sometimes. So now we're looking at purpose-built offices specifically designed to help the clients that we service. And uh, we've got one in Taung that uh, we are building now. We've got another one around the Vuan area. We've got another one in uh, Stenga in uh, KZ. And so that, that's part of our work in terms of increasing our footprint. Let's go to the lines. It's uh, 20 minutes to 10. I've got 18 my Tabi, so who's in Pumalanga. Tabi, so good morning. Good morning, and how are you? Strong, how are you? We've also got the Deputy Minister uh, of Home Affairs. Thank you, thank you. I would like to uh, say congrats, congratulations to the minister. This is a good project. I remember in one of the companies I used to work with, it's a medical aid company. The filing system there was very bad. Then we came up with this project whereby we index, archive, uh, scan the documents so that they are easily accessible. And they were about... Uh, 80,000 documents which we finished within a period of three months. So I believe this uh, initiative, this project, will definitely ease uh, the stress and the frustration to those who normally visit the offices in terms of time. So it's a, it's a great initiative, and I will also encourage the minister to, deputy minister, to encourage the minister of police to also. Uh, look at this uh, project so that these missing uh, dockets can be also used in this direction so that we avoid that situation. It's a good uh, project. Uh, I wish you all the best and I know it will be a success. As long as there's no corrupt elements with the project, uh, I would like to say uh, well done and keep it up and I wish you a success in this project. It's a good initiative. Let us support it and make sure you get the right people to do the job. Tabiso, thank you very much for calling in. And I think those are words of encouragement, mm-hmm. right, uh, Deputy Minister? And uh, just f- uh, the point that I'm taking from Tabiso is, w- are you going to be using what you're doing as um, 
as, as a pilot for the rest of the departments to start learning from, like um, South African police services? Yeah, most definitely, uh, because already they use our services. We are the custodians of identity and uh, all citizens and all uh, biometrics when it comes to citizens. So they will definitely also be using our services as they are currently doing right now. We are sister organizations with the SAPS, Defense, because we're all in the security cluster. Before, you know, Home Affairs was seen as just a social security administrative department. It's later than people realize, no, this is actually a security department that controls access of people in and out of the country. So it's actually a very serious uh, security department. I'm happy that he cites that they were able to do 80,000 uh, files within uh, three months. We have to do 340 million within 36 months. So it shows that, you know, the capacity that we are bringing in is above, uh, you know, uh, industry norms. So we are putting in the extra work. So when I say three years, someone might have said, yeah, that's a very long time. Why not a month and so on and so on. But the work that goes into it, remember, you have to capture these records accurately. You don't Indeed. want a situation where you have, uh, you know, uh, Njabulonzu's being called Smith now. I appear and then you see me, you see my ID, it's Smith now. Don't can't have that, those situations, and we don't want Njabulonzuza mm. being a female, but we know he's a male yes. because we've had those <laughs> those mishaps. So we want everything to be mm. done accurately. Mm. I want to quickly ask: How will this then affect South Africans who are living out of the country? So, if I need, uh, I'm, I'm staying, let's say, for instance, in Ghana, and I need to go to uh, the, the embassy there to renew my passport. You know, is it going to be as seamless? Yes, it's 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 going to be as seamless. Remember. What we are trying to do is that all these records, we already have them. It's a matter of digitizing them. All the fingerprints of the people who were already captured in the system, we have them. It's a matter of moving some of the records to APs. Then later we'll continue to capture other uh, biometrics like facial recognition and so on and so on. Actually, it will assist them in the long run because currently now they have to come in the country for verifications and so on and so on, which will be a thing of the past as we move away from the brick and mortar. Excellent. Let me go to some of your voice notes. This is Derek from Klunga. Um, just talking about first world countries and Ireland might be an example where you can renew your passport online in literally five minutes um, and it is corruption free. Does your guest foresee that this might be happening soon in South Africa? And um, if not, why not? Because it is a possibility. Good day. I have a question concerning the OMA phase application when it comes about the newcomer as uh, refugees. What can one do just to secure an appointment or to book an appointment in the home affairs, especially for the newcomer? Uh, because there was an email that was circulating and we try with that one and there is no response. There is no response. We try and we attempt too many times and there is no response. And another question is, when they make it like someone must send the message to the email, I'm wondering when someone comes from a country where they don't speak English and then arriving in South Africa and the person must do the application online which require uh, some basic of English. How they can help someone to do that? Please, uh, thank you, Anonymous. Hello, pa Patricia. Patricia, can you ask uh, Nzuza 
about Newcastle. Newcastle is a big problem. If you're going to take a, a ID, you take a long, and the queue, you take a long time. What about the Newcastle? Because the Newcastle, you can't have a, a one place to open the, to take a ID. It looks like this government is good to talk, but to act is difficult. Thank you. All right, let me read a couple. We still have a lot of messages that you have uh, sent through, but uh, I'm going to read a couple. This one says... Um, in as much as min, uh, Mr. Minister is so excited about the new technology, but unfortunately, a poor black family in Bizane in the Eastern Cape is still sitting in pain and agony, grieving for their loved one whom they still do not know where was he buried as they buried a wrong person from the Sutu due to negligence made by Department of Health and Department of Home Affairs. Another one says, hi, it's a Slindile. I am struggling to make a booking the system jams from time to time. Uh, OTP's uh, one-time pin comes an hour later, so there is no winning. Deputy Minister, uh, let's uh, let's respond to the voice notes and the messages that we've received. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Uh, the one about the Newcastle office, uh, I hope someone from there is, is listening. Because what we have been doing are the surprise spot on visits where we do not announce. We do have uh, offices that are notorious for not uh, assisting clients in the right way. And uh, those offices, we're not, we, we don't tolerate that kind of behavior. Just recently, we went to the East London office, popped up, we were able to identify some of the gaps that are there, and we dealt with those things. So we'll do the same in Newcastle. I won't say when we'll visit. In some instances, some of the offices are riddled with uh, corruption, where our own staff members, they allow people to jump queues, they come in late, but still they are given, you know, uh, preferential uh, treatment. So we don't tolerate those things. I think thank you for reporting that office. We'll pe- definitely put it in, in our right and deal with it. The issue of the of Derek from Ireland, that's the direction we want to go. Make sure that we apply and you can apply online, finalize everything. Yes, it needs to be secured because we have seen it with uh, Lebohang from Bangladesh. I'm not sure whether Mpemba, you will be familiar hey. with the situation hey. where hey. some people will go to <laughs> extra lengths, you know. Yeah, yeah. And we really uh, also call on our citizens to safeguard their identity. Because when you sell your identity, you are paid 500 rand, you go in there and sit next to an illegal Pakistani national or Bangladesh national, you know what is happening. They are taking away your identity, but you think it's something that won't have an impact. But in the long run, it will have an impact. So we really call on people to do that so that we can also get the benefits of this technology. Because if our citizenry is also not honest and willing to engage in corrupt activities, it forces us to tighten up our internal control systems. Just previously, you were able to send someone to collect a passport for you. But we have had to stop that because it's part of our internal control uh, systems that we need to deal with. I'm not sure about the case in Pizan. I hope I'll be able to get the cell phone number of the caller so that we can intervene and see what happens. It's our responsibility as Home Affairs to issue death certificates. We do not handle the, the, the bodies of people who have passed away. No, we don't touch them. We only deal with paperwork. A member of the family comes to us. They say here is a document from hospital. This person has been certified dead and 
and as a result we then issue a death certificate so we don't handle the issue of the body so i don't know how we got to be involved there our responsibility is to issue uh, the the birth certificates the issue of the pubs i will look into the issue of the otps currently the reviews that we have received are, are very good that the system is working very well we will obviously be affected when there are network glitches associated uh, with load shedding as much as it is also up impacting on our offices okay so uh, let's uh, take a bit of a break and uh, we'll be back with more of your messages voice notes and calls Still in uh, conversation on our thinking point, uh, talking digitization of home affairs with Honorable Deputy Minister of Home Affairs Njabulun Zuza. Let's uh, go uh, to your calls. Uh, we've got, okay, we'll start off with your voice notes and then we'll come back to the calls. We've got more voice notes. Good morning, SFM. Um, if I must, the guest, the Deputy Minister, um, since uh, they're talking about if you want to go to the home affairs, you have to book first before going there. But what about um, some of us who are blind, who can't even um, uh, get to either internet and book? Um, so what exactly can we do on that one? Because um, some of us live alone, we can't even ask anyone to help us in order to book. So. What exactly should we do if we want to go to home affairs, um, even though we haven't booked? Good morning, SFM. My name is Austin Ngosi. I recently did the booking online to home affairs or a branch in Lusiki. Fine, I got the message and I went to the branch. I'm telling them I did booking online. They said, no, they haven't got those, uh, you know that feature nothing i mean like it nothing that doesn't appear how i must go on a queue and this thing here. and i had to go on a queue and then later on and then i was called so they say you know they haven't got that facility of online thing because like i mean there's no fingerprints or what what they are saying a lot of things i was so disappointed i said what's a what's the use of having it you know saying that you know you have to book it and eventually you people don't know nothing about this thing Let's go to uh, the lines. Uh, we've got Atima Nene, who's in Peter Marriott's broke, uh, got a question, Nene. Good morning. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning to Deputy Minister. Good morning. What's your morning. question? Yes. Um, firstly, I'd like to congratulate the Minister with this new system that's got in place. But there are two questions, uh, Deputy Minister. Here in Peter Maritzbeck, we, we've got the Home Affairs offices, but unfortunately, the queues, the people are hijacking the queues. Um, I know they've got private um, securities who are there, but it seems as if it's way above their hand. What, what, what the uh, department is, doing about that because I heard you were mentioning about the jumping of the queue. That, that's what's happening at Marisbeck. It's it's crazy because there are all the uh, ladies, all the fathers, yeah, they, they get jumped at the queue. So it's, it's an unfortunate situation. How can you help mm. us on that? Mm. Thank you, Nana, for the question. Um, uh, Deputy Minister, let's uh, start yeah. off by responding to the WhatsApps uh, voice notes and then we come to Nana. Okay. I think on the issue of the PMP office, I don't think it's an issue of it being above their heads. It's an issue. Some of these uh, officials, when we went to East London, we found that it's them who are actually colluding. 
uh, with the people who want to jump queues. So this office will be under the radar. I know the provincial manager there, Mr. Mwabe, is seated there. This should not be happening under his nose in the in the EP, in the Peter Marisbeck office. We'll look into it. I would like to apologize to Austin. I think uh, it was an issue of bad treatment. Mm. Once you book and get an appointment, you are supposed to be safest there and there. You are not supposed to be turned back. So it might be an issue of uh, bad service, uh, which is what we are now fighting as we go and visit all our branches every now and then. Because, for instance, when we again we went to East London, I'm going to cite East London because it gave us quite a, a bit of experience on what people experience practically on the ground. Where one person was turned away, they were there to apply for a bad certificate. They said, no, go away. You can't help you. Whereas we had changed the system long time ago, the person was supposed to be assisted and upon intervention, that particular uh, person was assisted. We continue uh, with offering our services in a normal way. It doesn't mean that because we now have a branch uh, booking appointment system, everybody who goes to our offices should have help. Yeah. Yes, must be turned away. It, it's not the case. So, so we'll you, continue to service you mm-hmm. in a normal way. So you, you take walk-ins? We, and then you also take those who have booked. Yes. And there's no special priority for either or. As no. long as you are there, you will be serviced. Yes. If you are there in our offices, you come in, you arrive, we'll service you. If you have booked an appointment, we guarantee you the time on the sleep that you will be serviced on that particular day and on the time that we've given you. We apologize to Austin. That should not have happened. We are going to look into it and find out who was responsible for turning him away and saying he must go and join the queue whilst he had to sleep. Is there a hotline or a complaint office that we can utilize when we get such mm. treatments like Austin got uh, at Home Affairs offices? Exactly we do. If you go to our uh, website, I don't have the number at the top of my head, but if you go to our website, all those contact details are listed there. All right. Let's, um, be, uh, because of time, I think we can take one last voice note. Good morning. Good morning, uh, Ms. Patricia and uh, Deputy Minister Aounjabolo. Uh, in the case where I want to change the surname of my kids, uh, they are calling their mother's name. Uh, do I really need to carry the kids to the home affairs? My my son is, is, is 11 years and my daughter is 9 years old. I've tried to go to home affairs and change the surnames. And they told us, it was me and um, their, their mother, they told us that we need to come with the kids. So is that necessary? Because the parents are there. We had we had uh, Avid David and we had also... Um, uh, necessary documents, our IDs and their certificates and stuff. Is that necessary? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Sakili Lamini. Thank you, Sakili, for that question. Deputy Minister. It, it would have helped me to understand the ages of the children okay. because some of them we have to capture the biometrics uh, for the so, children. So what and age that is that? Be, it's the age of 16 and above where we then have to do the identities mm-hmm. for them. And if they want to change their identity numbers, but on the rest, it will not be necessary so long as we have the necessary documentation. So it will be interesting. To so if the children are the under children. the age of 16, mm. they, they don't need to be at home affairs. Mm. You can go there with the parents. Both parents are there. They both appear on the birth certificate. They have all the necessary information of the children that they are changing the information to. We should be able to assist them. Okay. And if the children and the parents, both parents are not appearing on the birth certificate, then what? It becomes a bit of a problem. Then, then the that is why that is why we always say it's important 
for both parents to be there when you register the child for the first time because it then takes a longer process. Sometimes when the father comes and says, I'm the father of this child and the child is about 15 years uh, old, you then have to do uh, blood tests mm. and all those sorts of things. And, and I must say, that is because of the corruption that is there. You know, a father can come with five children and say, hey, these are all... My, my, my kids, yeah. they are born in the same year, they are the same age, so I'm here to register them. So we, our time is far spent. I need to go to the news, but uh, there's a question from an ATM who's visually impaired. How do those with disabilities get serviced using this digitization? Yes, we, we have been uh, servicing them, and uh, part of what our technology needs to be able to do is to take into account the issue of uh, those who are disabled so that they, 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 they can be assisted. But we are not turning them away from our branches because there is a booking appointment system now. They can still go through to our branches and obviously they do not even have to stand in a queue. We take them straight in. Every morning when before we open, we go into the queue and identify all those who are disabled and then we take them in and assist them. Excellent. Uh, Deputy Minister, you and your team have been an absolute eye-opener for us as uh, listeners. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much, and uh, thank you to all the listeners at home. It was nice uh, to be here. Very nice, fresh. (laughs) Well, I think that's the impact I've got on the Deputy Minister. Nice and fresh. And Musa, thank you for your patience. It's a minute after 10. Uh, Let's go to the headlines.